What's up, everybody? This is Grant at Cause Artist. Welcome to another episode of the Investing in Impact podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Joshua Haynes, the managing partner at Masawa Fund on working in 35 countries, speaking seven languages, and using natural medicine, technology, and workplace wellness to help billions of people live impactful lives in the global economy. Joshua's story is pretty incredible and powerful. He overcame depression, anxiety, and an eating disorder in a tough childhood raised on welfare by a single mother. Throughout his 20-year career, 20-plus year career, he's been at the nexus of innovation, technology, and social impact. He served as a Peace Corps volunteer. He's been a data analyst, a software developer, a consultant, and he also served as a diplomat in the Obama administration in the USA program and managed $190 million in impact grant funding for the U.S. and Sweden governments. He has a degree from Boston University in finance and an MBA from Tufts University. Masawa, as he says, it is the Mental Wellness Impact Fund, and they have a laser focus on financial viability, social impact maximization. Sorry for the intro being a little little short. I'm a little bit under the weather, but I really wanted to get this conversation out with Joshua because it's it's a really, really impactful story and journey about what he's overcome in his life, but also his passion for you know using capital to impact the world in a, in a lot of different areas, especially globally. So I really hope you enjoy the conversation. As always, grant at causeartist.com if you have any questions or if you want to request anybody be on the show or you yourself want to be on the show, by all means, reach out. I hope everybody's staying safe and, and have a great day and have a great week. Thanks. Bye. Usually how I like to start these is uh, with the individual's journey uh, on how they sort of to get to their life's work, so to speak. A lot of people, when I talk to them, they're in that sort of phase of their life where they're working on, you know, something that will maybe not define them, but it's going to be a big chunk of, chunk of their life that they dedicate themselves to. So so talk to us about the journey. I know it's been a long, tough, tough road for you. But I, I mean, if you want to give us a little bit of the cliff notes, you could start wherever you want on, on how sure. you start how and why you started the fund. Right, absolutely. Well, thank, thanks so much, Grant, for also having me and having us. This is exciting to be here. I think um, you know, our journeys are never linear. It's always zigzag back and forth. And, and where we are now is never where we ever expected to be. But that happens to a lot of us, right? Mm-hmm. So I was fortunate um, to be raised by a single alcoholic mother on welfare in, in New Mexico. And I say I was fortunate because I had to learn a lot of hard life lessons mm-hmm. pretty early on, responsibility, caring for my, my family, adaptability. I went to six high schools in three years, but I was one of the lucky ones that was able to get out of that catch-22 of poverty, welfare, because I was good in school um, and I could make people laugh. Mm. And I won a scholarship to move to Germany for a year to live with a host family. Wow. And so on that year of living with a host family in Germany, where I saw what a real family could 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 be. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. when I say real family, of course, my family was a real family, but what a more traditional Um, at least that that, that type of family could be, they really changed a lot of things in my mind. Um, I learned I was really good at learning languages and assimilating into other cultures. I was um, really good at kind of understanding how pieces fit together. And then that kind of guided me for the next, you know, 15, 20 years. Um, I had a number of uh, really interesting careers. I was a Peace Corps volunteer in Morocco, working with artisans in cyber cafes. I was a software developer, worked on data analytics um, all around the world. Um, helping really big companies get even richer. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that didn't fit so well. It didn't feel so well because I felt you know something needed to happen. It wasn't just like helping these people get richer. Um, 
And then I spent a lot of time looking at the power of technology in developing countries, innovation, human rights, civil society, and was fortunate to be a diplomat in the Obama administration, um, where I managed a portfolio of about 190 million in innovative grant programming and really worked on shifting the power dynamic between those who had money, Mm -hmm. the government, those who give all this aid money out, and those who received money. But, you know, starting when I was about 35, finally came to terms with the fact that I needed help. It wasn't just that I could have this outside, this funny guy, mm-hmm. this smart, spoke all these languages. Um, it was really about I was broken inside. And so after my, 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 my family and I moved to Berlin after leaving the U.S. government, um, I crashed and burned. Now, I had had many would think is a, a very good, at least uh, adult life. I had a loving husband. We just celebrated yesterday our 18th year together. Wow. Uh, we had two wonderful kids. Um, you know, I, I worked in 35 countries. I spoke seven languages, but I had never taken the time to really look inside what was wrong with me and why I couldn't meet that potential that I thought I, I had inside of me. So it took a number of years of, of, of looking at other approaches besides the Prozac and the Wellbutrin that I was on, or besides mm-hmm. the psychotherapy that I was on. Now, that mm-hmm. was helpful for me, certainly, to understand that there was a lot um, in my past that um, that was causing me to be the way, way I was, but really started to look at the power of holistic approaches, mindfulness, mm-hmm. exercise, nutrition, psychedelics, community-based activities, workplace wellness, then realize the size of this issue of mental illness. You know, mm-hmm. the stats are alarming. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, something even after COVID-19, we can't really talk about too much, although maybe it's a little little easier. You know, the fact that depression is the number one cause of disability worldwide, that it costs a trillion dollars a year in lost productivity um, because of, of mental illness. Um, but there's all these innovations that are happening. You know, I know some of your the other people you've talked to, and there's a lot of, of really exciting stuff happening in terms of us being able to, to, to be okay with ourselves. And, and then started looking around about the financing. So mm-hmm. who's paying for all this to happen? Yeah, sure. There's the VC model. That's important. That that capital is an important catalyst. But for, for me, it was really important to also be able to drive increased social impact. And we found that there were no impact funds that were focusing as much on maximizing social impact as it was on maximizing profitability. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in November of last year, um, took the plunge and started Masawa, the Mental Wellness Impact Fund. It's quite a, obviously a, a journey from a, a bunch of different c- career landmarks and, and, and personal sort of landmarks. And uh, I think the the one thing we want to go back to to real mm-hmm. quick was sure. under the I guess the Obama administration was that money for was that under the U.S. aid program is that yeah. what that was for and that was injecting charitable aid or is that more entrepreneurial sort mm-hmm. of allocation of capital into mm-hmm. you know rural areas around the world like how was that money allocated mm-hmm. and and sure. did, did that was that really like a a learning sort of exercise for you and mm-hmm. obviously that did that help with sort of the the process of creating the fund in, in some sure. sort of way. Yeah, absolutely. So that was, yeah, with the U.S. Agency for International Development um, and actually in partnership with the Swedish mm. um, counterpart. So I, I was fortunate to also be in Sweden uh, as a, a Swedish employee. That was this, you know, big American guy um, uh, being there in, in Sweden, which was, which was great. But yeah, that was um, providing, for the most part, grants to set up various different programs, whether it be around Internet freedom, Internet governance, or setting up innovation centers in mm. places like Cambodia. Mm-hmm. Um, that really were catalysts for social enterprises, for civil society to be able to 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 have hold the power about how they dealt with you know the the, the aid, the funding that they were getting themselves. After you, I guess, were done with that, that seemed to be, or a little bit after, a point where you know personally you kind of had this inward journey of, of facing yeah. some some facts in your life, inner demons, if you will. I think sure. you know we, we all sort of have them. 
uh, in, in different levels, uh, yeah. for sure. What, what, was there like a like a night or, or like a week? Like, what, what exactly do you think was sort of the breaking point? Mm-hmm. And did you did you then stop taking your sort of traditional medication, mm-hmm. or was that did that mm-hmm. like was that did you see that as being an issue? Sure. Or, or was it just everything was building up for, for right. 35 years? Yeah. So I think, you know, realizing that, oh, I needed a Prozac too, just like my mom was always on. Right, right. Like that was when I was 35. You know, most of my life I weighed um, 135 kilos, 300 pounds, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, had a really bad eating um, problem. Um, and so it got to a point when I first got on Prozac when I was 35 that I just couldn't handle it anymore. Like I could only mm. think about food, like get food in my mouth. That's the only thing that's going to gonna mm. hold me or, or, or respect me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because I couldn't respect myself. Um, and then when it came to Berlin, I had a really great job, but within two weeks I got fired because I could not function. Hmm. My brain was foggy. I couldn't do anything. It just, it wow. was, it had all come to a four. You know, it was the whole, whole thing of moving uh, our family from Sweden to Ber- from Stockholm to Berlin. I had um, a nine month old son, uh, um, a four year old daughter, you know, my husband um, here and trying to get us settled, uh, but also realizing that I was just broken. I couldn't get out of bed. Um, I couldn't function and I didn't know why I was like paralyzed. And so I didn't stop taking uh, my, my medication um, uh, directly afterwards. Mm-hmm. It took a long time, a process of, of me also studying and understanding how to get off of the medication right. so I could do it safely right. um, with, the, with the help of medical advice. Uh, but, you know, for me, one of the turning points was maybe seven months after that, after doing tons and tons of research was nutrition. Um, mm. As soon as I stopped eating highly processed carbs and sugars, after just a couple of weeks, my world changed completely. There was mm-hmm. like a veil that had been lifted. Um, and that kind of was fire and fuel for, for saying, okay, how, how can I be better? How can I even do more and really try to understand how I am and where I am and, and be okay with that and be vulnerable with the fact that I'm not good at a whole ton of things. <laughs> I'm really, really fucking shitty. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you uh, can. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. thank you. Good. Yeah, cuss away. Yeah, thank you. I actually <laughs> appreciate cussing. I think, I think it gets yeah. points across really well. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, uh, I have to watch out sometimes with my kids, but then sometimes I, I don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> that there has to be like something else, um, like uh, that, that and, and being okay with that vulnerability. That mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. I'm really bad at this, 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 and this. And then I, I'm still working on trying to figure out where is that. You know, and then now you know I have a number of people who really yes are, are surrounded uh, and help me. Personal coaches. I have a somatic coach, um, kind of working on how do I understand all the, the voices in my head? So where are those different characters in the, the, the play that makes up Joshua Haynes's life? And, mm-hmm. and why is that? So that's, that's a lifelong quest. Yeah. So was that journey, was that internal journey to get yourself right? Almost the catalyst, all that research yeah. you were doing, was that the catalyst for actually like looking into starting a fund, right? Absolutely. Looking at all this, what was, was it was it was it food the first sort of light bulb that went off as sort of my, my friend is he he's he's working on he's working on a uh, he has a company as well and it's sort of a, a fund holding company model but his mantra mm-hmm. is uh, food is medicine right sure. so sure. looking at food as medicine rather than yeah. just Absolutely. this kind of thing we do mm-hmm. without any consequences like it's a food has a powerful powerful you know system that it could be delivered to us if, mm-hmm. if we sort of you know respect it in the way. Sure. And, and deliver it into our bodies uh, the yeah. way it, it can be, right, in a positive mm-hmm. way. So, was food? Was would you say food was that real catalyst to to really dive into other things? Sure, I think food was really opened my mind to like, wait, it's not just something that I, I I do three, four, five times a day because that's how I grew up. Yeah. Or you know, all of the you know, having been raised in the U.S. on on processed foods. Right. Um, right. 
Um, it's just, you know, that constant dopamine hit you get. Um, and from the cheap, greasy, sugary food mm -hmm. that you can just, you know, plow down. You know, and I'm still working on today, listening to my body. Let mm. my body tell me when I need food and not when my head tells me I need food. Yeah. And that's a hard thing because yeah, it's been for 40 sure. years now that I've been, you know, ingrained um, to, to do that. And so, that again, that'll be a lifelong journey. But, you know, a lot of the research that, that I had done was definitely fundamental to, to kind of the need to have peer-reviewed evidence-based research when we're making our investment decisions. Mm -hmm. There's a number of things that are really exciting. Um, and there's a lot of research that needs the additional research that needs to go to prove various aspects. Uh, and so, you know, we, we take a pretty um, keen look at that when we're looking at our investment uh, opportunities. So let's let's talk a little bit about the, the fund and sort of the philosophy and I guess the mission, you know, and, and what it's it's going to be right. And what are sure. some of the sectors and, and kind of reading over sure. the story and, and the purpose of the fund? Obviously, food is big, uh, yeah. you know, mental wellness and yeah. uh, psychedelics, yeah. uh, maybe these <clears throat> holistic medicines that, that can mean a, a ton of different things. Right. There's just right. so much interesting data coming out now with all these these different medicines from from plants uh, or from, yeah. from food even. So what are what I guess are the the top line things when you're talking with hmm. um, with investors that that you're, you're sort of preaching to them, right? And what right. are the, some of the highlights that that you're giving them? You know, essentially, we're investing um, in founders that are devoted to improving mental wellness through ambitious products and areas like nutrition, natural mm -hmm. medicine, mindfulness, technology, both mm -hmm. hardware and software. There's a whole slew of not only platforms for digital therapy, but also AI, chatbots, machine learning mm -hmm. that are really coming to the fore, as well as with sound and frequencies. And, and it's just really some powerful work out there. And then lastly, workplace wellness, because the place where we, most of us mm. spend most of our time thinking about has a mental health in and of itself. And so there's a number of, of opportunities there around mental wellness. You know, we estimate conservatively that there's about a $270 billion market in the in Europe and North America and these, the categories that we're focused on. Mm -hmm. And so there's ample opportunity and there's new, especially after COVID-19, there's a number of new innovations coming. And so how we look at that though, there's a lens that we take. It's not just about ensuring that um, these companies are going to grow and become unicorns. We actually don't right. plan on investing in any unicorns because we hold the founder's mental health and their ability to create mm. a resilient organization as a cornerstone to our investment, right? Because if you're not doing okay yourself, how are you going to be able to create a team that's doing okay that is on board with you and impacting and really improving the lives of millions, billions of people, which then directly relate to increased revenue and, and profit. Um, and so that's why we also not just focus on the deploying capital mm -hmm. through looking at this organizational health impact and business profitability markers, but also how do we nurture the capital after the deal is done, that 10 year process, that marriage that we're in with these with these founders and their teams, ensuring that they have not only the business resources to, to, to make sure the products are fit and, and, and sell and, and, and they, they can repay the investments, but also that they can maximize the impact and that they can have the most resilient organizations possible. Because that's where we see is really the kind of the sweet spot that a lot of, a lot of other people aren't, aren't focusing on. You know, where are the, 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 the founders' personal coaches? Mm -hmm. not, their, not their business coaches. They're going to have that. But how do they themselves be better humans in order to, to have a better shot at helping society. And, and then what is that organizational aspect um, looking like? You know, most, a lot of startups fa uh, fail because of that relationship between the founders. So hmm. we try to get in there and kind of un, un, unpack what does this mean? And are you, are you able, are you aware of your own mental wellness and what that means on, as a result uh, on your product? When, when you talk to, to investors and I'm sure they're, they're coming from all around the world and you kind of have a, 
interesting perspective because you grew up in America yep. um, and then you kind of lived abroad. Sure. Would you say a couple questions is like, mm. how far has sort of the topic of mental illness come, mm. yep. you know, as, as looking at it as an economic issue, right? Because I think that's sort of, we're seeing, like like you said, how it affects the workplace right then, how it affects work and, and that work affects how people do their job. And, and there's sure. sort of this domino effect. Do you, do you look at like globally that other countries take mental illness more seriously than the United States? Or, or, or do you see now that that's sort of shifting? Or maybe yeah. it's not like that at all? Yeah, it's certainly shifting. And also you have to look at the subcultures inside um, all of these, all of these um, countries. So we're seeing investors definitely I think are, are coming are, are waking up that there's a need now more and that people are willing to, to pay for it yeah um, I think in general the US is is very far behind when it comes um, to mental illness look at the suicide rates um, look at the other like, comorbidity issues around you know the, the diabetes the obesity the a number of other issues that really have contributing factors to mental illness which is huge in the US um, or, and the, now or, or the shooting up of like schools yes, and like all absolutely these, like it's just or the racial disparity like the, the the injustice that's happening in which those are a lot of those things are generational. Mm-hmm. issues and that will also persist now because of covid because of of the issues that are that are that are in our society unfortunately um and so i th- yes there there's a reckoning coming now mm-hmm. other countries i think are doing better in terms of being able to talk about it and have it in the public sphere but most countries are doing worse mm. um around the world just because it is such a taboo especially around uh men uh men being able to be honest about their feelings or, mm-hmm. or open up uh, and you know be with their bodies and not just with their heads right um, or with with marginalized populations, with the LGBT uh, populations, mm. or people of color, you know th- these these issues are incredibly uh, pervasive, and so that also means market opportunity and an opportunity to maximize impact, and so, which is what what we're so excited about being able to to do. Given you know the you know, we have uh, about a hundred companies in, in in our pipeline that we're looking at, but there are you know thousands of others that are are being created around the world. Can you can you you don't have to go to details, right? Sure. But those those hundred in the pipeline, can you yeah. give us just a little bit of of sure. a clue into like maybe what they do and, and what they're focusing on. Absolutely. So some are looking at workplace resiliency platforms for blue collar workers, for truckers and mm. um, hmm. uh, factory workers and, you know, people who who wouldn't ever be caught meditating, you know. Right. Um, uh, there's anonymous um, chat platforms in, in Africa. Um, with licensed therapists uh, so that they can maintain their their dignity and not right. have to because they can't talk to their family about these things. Some are psychedelic um, in nature. We're looking at actually creating the molecules around um, psychedelics and trying to synthesize those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, there are some others that are games for youth that really help with anxiety and really understanding what that is and, and playing through. There are others that are looking at um, using hip hop and rap and meditation together Hmm. Um, as the driving force for for specific uh, marginalized populations, and that's just that's just the, the very tip of the iceberg. All the the, the nutrition aspects, the the different types of sugars that are being created that have low glycemic indices. It's it's pretty exciting. How do you do the business model sort of work when hmm. developed worlds are, are different? Right, there's a ton of different products, or, or there's a lot people. There's a lot more people who can pay for like mental wellness. Right, it's it's sort of almost like this. It's almost like a luxury to be able to like purchase the ability to get mental wellness right at a, like a a good level, I guess. Like right now, like all the apps and things like that, like all the fitness stuff, like you still have to, like to pay for it, right? But like mm-hmm. if you're like in Kenya or Uganda and you're living in like the slums and stuff, like how how do you get to the, how do we get to those individuals mm-hmm. right where they're not mm-hmm. going to have the ability to like pay for help, right? right? right. Like, is there do you work with governments? Like how how yeah. do you I guess how do we make products yeah. for 
for people sure. for for people in those yeah. scenarios. Yeah, I think the exciting thing is that in Kenya specifically is a, is a hub of innovation that a lot of things have happened and had to happen because they've had to leapfrog what's happened in the U.S. And so they're yeah. they're far ahead with mobile money, with uh, a number of different aspects. And so um, I think in terms of being able to private, provide access, there's um, employers who can provide for their employees. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's governments and there's also micro product. Mm -hmm. um, so not necessarily, you know, full on blown apps, but just like in the slums of, of, of Nairobi, you, you buy a very small p uh, amount of soap and not a whole bottle of soap because you buy what you need to use. You can, you know, there's a, a, also other models that you really are able to, to, to um, use. And so, yeah, there's a number of different ways of getting it. There's the enti entire insurance schemes, there's international organizations, the UN, the World Health Organization. Um, and so there's a, a lot of people who also want to pay for these aspects and also mm -hmm. want to invest, whether it be pension funds or sovereign wealth funds, uh, because they see the the power in reducing the cost that mental illness has. You know, if you look at the cost of absenteeism because hmm. you can't get out of bed, right? Um, that's not just on the company; that's also on society and and the and the, the GDP of a of a of a country. Um, and so it's in yeah, everyone's interest to be able to work together around this. And, and there are a lot more people now coming together to figure out ways of doing that. The one thing I, I want to touch on it's such a it's really just an interesting topic that I've been I had the pleasure of kind of being on. Not the inside, but just being having a friend that's really into it for the last two years and him educating me on psychedelics and sort of the journey that's taken through through trials and, and through through the ability where decriminalization is happening here in certain certain cities in America. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I guess what's your perspective on on that? Like what's if you've done a lot of research on it? I mean, mm -hmm. there's tons yeah. of there's tons of, of data coming out on it now mm -hmm. that's overwhelmingly positive. Sure. Um, it seems like. And the idea that hopefully one day an uh, individual can walk into something like like a, a massage parlor, right, or something mm -hmm. that scenario, right, and and yeah. take a guided sort of journey, right, mental health sure. journey is is inspiring to me. That that's a like to me that is a game changer on yeah. a lot of different levels. Do you see that like uh, globally the more of the acceptance of, of psychedelics as well as America's usually. The, the weird thing is America's usually far behind on a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. And then sometimes we're really far ahead. It's kind yeah, of crazy. Yeah, it's, it's weird. And then their pockets like Oregon. And now it's, uh, you know, it's, yeah. I think they have the signatures now in D.C. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think the psychedelics is one of the most fascinating areas in this whole thing. Just because a lot of people think it's a panacea that, you know, it's it's one experience and then right. you're done. Right. Which, of course, isn't the case. Yeah. Um, and so, but there's a, a lot of, um, interest, a lot of people from, um, the, the cannabis industry who are really interested in a lot of the people from the mental health industry who are looking at this. And I think like the leaders who have been working on this Renaissance, mm -hmm. um, really from a clinical trial perspective, where let's like, let, let's get the, you know, the, the, the regulators, the FDAs or, or the European equivalents like on board has been really crucial. Yep. Um, and now of course you're seeing lots of money going to it. These, um, universities, centers for science that are being developed, not just in the U S there's one in London now, um, in Germany, there's, um, stuff um, happening. And so it's, it, it's coming. I think it still will be some time, but people are getting ready for it. Um, uh, for example, whether it be, um, in places where ketamine or um, e-ketamine is, is legal, setting up the infrastructure around clinical yeah. or clinic delivery, kind of like the, yeah. the example you gave. That's um, already happening, so, right? I mean, that's already... Uh, in some places, yes. Yeah. And, but, but you know, with, with the eye to, yeah, ketamine is, is in the U.S. and in, in parts of Europe, it, it's it's legal. It's not a psychedelic, but mm -hmm. it's in that, it's a trajectorily towards that, that type of instance. I think it's, we have to just be honest. There's a big debate around, do you need to have that 
psychedelic experience mm-hmm. um, to, mm-hmm. for it to be true? Or is it something that you can create in a pill and take the pill and then you get the right. effects and you don't have to go through it? Right? Right. What's the IP? Who owns that? Um, these substances that are of the earth originally and have been used yeah. for a generation. And so th- those it's are tough. those are important discussions. And I don't mm-hmm. think there's an answer. And our position, my position, is I'm not sure if we want to fall on that binary line of right or wrong. Mm-hmm. For us, is uh, can these um, activities safely increase people's mental wellness? Yes. Then let's talk about it some more. Uh, it doesn't have to just be this. Well, I you know I I'm on one side or the other because we th- we have to get over that. We have to get over yeah. that because uh, the the potential for these substances to affect a whole hell of a lot of people is mm-hmm. so huge. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. my personal belief is like I. I I really don't think that the companies should be able to own IP in the yep. the core sort of molecules that go in it mm. because they did not create them, right? Like it's mm. it's like you can't have an IP on like caffeine, oh. right? Like yep. coffee, right? Like yeah, I yep. think you, yep. it's treated like that where you build companies around it and how you sure. deliver, how you brand and promote your product is is sure. the differentiator, right? But but the core product like like coffee, right? Like Right. There's thousands of coffee brands, but at the end of the day, it's it's coffee, yeah. right? It, it's sure. so I think I'm I'm hoping that's the route that it takes, where right. you know nothing is sort of trademarked or IP'd at least around like the the core sort of molecules sure. and, and sure. the natural to of it. But would you would you say you you would agree with that part? I don't know, um, <laughs> because I think hopefully there's an infrastructure, uh, an, an enabling environment, and the institutions in place to 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 say to rule that you mm-hmm. can't do that. Yeah. Um, and then we go from there, mm-hmm. right? But I'm not going to um, bet on one or the other, it, it, especially if people can get access to it, you know, and also access is a big question because when you come with IP, then you come with costs, um, you know, because you got to re it, it costs a shit ton of money through these critical clinical Oh tests. yeah, it's crazy. And so you have to recoup those costs. Somebody has to pay for it. And yeah. so, yeah. Um, but how do you get it so that you o- open that up? Um, you know, do you open source? I'm not, you know, I'm not sure what, what, what um, yeah. eventually will happen, but so that the most people can get access to it. That's what, yeah. that's what I care about. Yeah. yeah. I think access is huge for sure. Yeah. We talk about a, a bunch of different things and, and I, I think it, it's kind of important to look at maybe somewhere to start. Right. Sure. And would you say, cause I think we're talking about access and I go back to, to food because hmm. most people have access to food. I mean, obviously, there's there's places around the world that food deserts, yeah, yeah, that that, yeah. that unfortunately doesn't exist, and I think mm-hmm. we'll obviously the the creation of a, a sort of impossible foods and beyond meat, and the, the idea of, of sort of creating food, I think has a possibility to sort of like help that too, mm-hmm. maybe get people that never had food, like mm-hmm. how can we grow food where it doesn't grow is is really interesting, and get to people that are dying of starvation. That seems mm-hmm. to be really weird that that still happens. Because yeah. we could just like create food in the lab, right? So like, it, I well, don't know. It, yeah, it's not an access issue; it's a political issue. Yeah, um, just but like I, poverty but, is a, a yeah. is a political issue. Um, but but I guess the access I meant food. Like, would you say food is is a good place where individuals can start, or where so. investment can first happen? Because that landscape is so broad. There's not these clinical trials you have to go to. Right. There's not like software technology and apps you have to set mm-hmm. up and create to de- as a delivery system. Mm-hmm. Is is food maybe the first step that personally individuals can take, but also uh, capital can be injected to whether it's educate, whether it's get access mm-hmm. to food, um, to really start to to have food be the catalyst for, for mental right. wellness is like the first step. So I think it's, um it, we need a scattershot approach. Mm-hmm. Um, I think food is one of the biggest things because it affects every single person. I think, yeah, I think investing in food is super important, whether it's first or not. 
Um, I don't think we uh, should decide. It's, it's really looking at where um, the most opportunity is. Is mm-hmm. it mindfulness? Is it um, looking at culturally appropriate approaches? Mm-hmm. You know, is it education? You know, half of all of mental illnesses yeah. happen before you're 14 years old. So there's wow. a huge opportunity for looking at for for helping parents out because it is hard, especially now. Mm. Like that's just I just keep worrying. Um, and, you know, the, this mental health issue is not going away in, in our generation. If you, and speaking of generations, Gen Z is the loneliest generation um, that might be helped in in part because of the rise of, of social media and digital technologies. But they're also hopefully the first generation that can incorporate mental health into their well-being mm-hmm. as, as a generation, unlike us uh, or your generation. I'm 26 days shy of being a millennial, but don't tell anybody. Um, <laughs> so I, I think there's it, we need to not just focus on one, on nutrition or, or or exercise or workplace wellness. It has to be something that just just like we think about with our physical health. Mm-hmm. Our emotional health, or the health of, of our relationships with our family and our loved ones, um, it is it is crucial. One of the big sort of dilemmas I have, like personally, mm-hmm. is is with sort of these traditional. Sure yeah, I, 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 these sort of. I, I'm depressed. I'm going to go to my doctor's office and get pills. Right, that'll mm-hmm. make me feel sure. better. Sure. And now it's stacking anxiety right. pills on top of other anxiety pills, and it's mm-hmm. like that's to me. It's like such a it, it's 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 such a long game that you're never going to win, right? You're almost addicted now to that you know yes. medicine stack that you can never get off of, right? Like yes. especially if you're not educated on how to do it, you're never yes. going to get off that. It's always going to be trying to. Then you're taking twenty pills a day, and it's like, yep. is there is there a way where I go back to like like education, right? It's like, yeah. how do we know when a person is generally like depressed and medication is needed? Rather than a person being depressed, where maybe just eating different will will, right. will totally sure. totally change things, right? Or just exercising. Sure. How how do we parse that to where it's like yeah. we don't have you know half of America on antidepressants, right? Yeah. So I think it's what um, the education around doctors, psychiatrists is also crucial. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at how MDs are trained, very they spend very little time learning about nu- nutrition, macro mm-hmm. and micronutrients, and the effects on mental mental wellness. Mm-hmm. Um, virtually none. Uh, yeah. We're fortunate to have someone on our board who's a nutritional psychiatrist, one of the few. Um, and if you ask her, Dr. Georgia Ede, <laughs> she says, uh, start with the food. Uh, let's start you know, with the food. Yeah. <laughs> start with the food. And we'll use that as medicine first. And then if we, you know, if we, if, if the person has um, psychosomatic or other issues, then th- th- there's a chance that we might be able to do things. But just for example, um, what um, a specific low carb diet can do in the areas of diabetes or epilepsy, or even Alzheimer's, there's clinical um, test um, um, uh, research coming out, is phenomenal. Um, and so, you know, I'm not saying one diet is better than the other. I'm sure. saying that a, a no processed food, whole food, no sugar diet is the best. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and that's not to say that I'm perfect all the time either. Sure. COVID has been very difficult. Um, <laughs> Um, but you know, at least I, I'm aware and I'm okay with it. I don't beat myself up anymore about it. And so I think that 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 nutrition can be um, a medicine. Um, and so you know, we're looking at hope, you know, using capital that we have and, and nurturing that capital to push that forward um, or in education aspects. And there's a, a whole different uh, you know ecosystems just around uh, around the nutrition side because really it is it, it is medicine. Yeah, it's uh it's fascinating to to go down that road. And it's it's weird because like the the one thing that it's not weird it's just it's just how it is that it's kind of looking back on like like going to school and like 
the subjects we were never taught about, like the mm-hmm. two really most important things, like money mm-hmm. and like nutrition. Yes, <laughs> it's just like not taught, nope. and it's like it, I don't understand why we can't. It's almost like we're afraid to teach people about money and like how sure how really like finance really works. Like sure. we we feel, I don't know if it if it's like we just don't have the people to teach it in, in the schools or we just. But then foods like you learn like. Fruits and vegetables, right? And like that's right. it. <laughs> that's Look it. Like that's 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 it. That's your, right, that's, right, your right. that's your education, in it. and that's it. I mean, look at the standard American diet. There's a reason why the acronym spells out SAD. It's fucking ridiculous. But and you also peel peel back some of those layers. Why is that? Who's paying for that? Mm-hmm. What industries? What industry groups are paying for it? What um, lobbyists are up on Capitol Hill trying to ensure that we you know eat lots of fortified, enriched, enriched materials like why right. do you need to take wheat and then uh, bleach it and then add back the nutrients that's yeah. a whole nother whole yeah nother right? yeah so, man. and and yeah. the long-term effects of, of this stuff right like you can you can make a case for it being as equal as terrible as like cigarettes right mm-hmm. but it's not yeah. looked at that no, it's not, not looked at like that mm-hmm. no um, and then you look at uh people popping pills all the time because that's what society says you have a problem go get a pill for it well yep. who who's behind that yeah right? where's that money follow the money <laughs> it'll always go back to some other interests that aren't have have at least humans best interest in mind they're worried about their their own wallets and we see that with the opioid scandal mm. um, that just broke in the last you know year or so and the I could go on forever, but yeah. really, you know, follow the money. Why is this uh, the big issues? Um, and so, you know, that's why we really realize that it's it's time for looking at a new way of doing cap of, of capitalism. Mm-hmm. And more and more investors really want to see an impact in their their money. It's not this, that they get a three, five, ten x return, right. but they also at the same time can take solace in knowing that their money has affected x number of lives. Mm-hmm. And so we have um, ways and 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 things in place to be able to to to, to know that and measure that in coordination with our founders. Um, because if founders have that information about the number of lives that they're affecting, and also the story about how they changed their service to be able to affect more lives mm. while not compromising on profitability, then they're going to get more investors. They're going to be able to have more partnerships and, and, and their ability to scale will be so much easier. Uh, it's just it's just common sense. Yeah, um, it really but is. I, but what happens, I think, just because the VC model that's coming out of Silicon Valley was just about push hard, yeah. like fucking just just you know, ram them into the ground um, uh, until they grow so we can get that valuations and liquidate. Let's not make any money. Let's not be profitable. Yeah. Well, that's another <laughs> whole thing. Yeah, this growth over revenue. That's a huge. And, and that, so that's one of the reasons actually we're we're um, investing 50% of our capital in Europe because we feel in Europe, the social system, the wealth, the welfare, oh, um, the, the socialist, oh my gosh, um, uh, people are more attuned to to nurturing that capital and to focusing more on revenue and seeing, making sure that there is a product market fit mm-hmm. instead of just doing pure ad buys and yep. getting people to download their apps, whatever that might be, right? And yeah. So, yeah. and, and people I think here are also more willing to to have those honest discussions about organizational health, um, and that's coming yes in the in the U.S., but I think we're, it's more ripe here in Europe. Um, and you know, th- those are the things that we're we're saying. You want to work with us? Sure, absolutely. But we're going to come, and you're going to have to do a little bit more work on building out impact models. Like, have mm-hmm. you ever built an impact model out before? Mm-hmm. Or what's mm-hmm. your organizational? You know, I know you're three people now, but in five years, what kind of HR policies do you have around diversity and inclusion? Mm-hmm. People's head spin, but they understand the importance of looking at it now. It's an it's an it's an incredible and fascinating conversation that this sort of you know mental illness sector, mental mental wellness sector is is sort of like exploding in a really good way because i think yeah look i think just education really matters and i think people are like seeking out that and yeah. they're finding it on their own right sure. you're not getting taught at school but if you're 
a 15, 16 year old kid and you mm-hmm. want to research food, right? Or, or <laughs> you can do that now, right? You can find yeah. a wealth of information, um, you know, watch videos and, and really do, you know, some incredible knowledge seeking on your own, which has never happened in like right. human history before, right? So that's, to me, a positive is um, having that education as like a delivery system early on. Mm-hmm. And if the schools don't mm-hmm. want to do it, then hopefully there's a there's a market opportunity there where companies can do it. But we talked Absolutely. we talked a lot about the like the past and, and what's going on now. I'd like to end on sort of future a little bit. Yeah. Um, I know it's it's a little uncertain times, obviously right now. Yeah. But what do you what do you hope to see the next three to five years yeah. in, in your space? You know, from the fund, I, I guess what what's your thought process around that? What, what do you like to think about long term? Sure. I think a number of things. Um, first, that mental illness really comes out of the dark. It's no longer this mm. crazy um, silence pandemic that exists. Right. That there's amazing uptake um, that providers, insurance providers and health systems really prioritize it. And it's in budgets and it's mm. it's all around. And that by by default, organizational health is, is something you talk about, not just about the return on investment, but with the return on organizational health. And as we see the increase in in ESG and impact funding in the investment world happening that we, we finally hit the tipping point where impact is expected mm-hmm. um, and not mm-hmm. just that ret- returns. And I think that's th- th- those are all points that we're, we've built um, to, to help push forward in our small way. Right. Because even though we'll be a 50 million euro fund, it seems like a lot of money. It's sure. nothing. That is next to nothing. It's not even like a half of a grain of sand in the whole <laughs> grand scheme of things. It's crazy to think, right? Yeah, it's um, crazy. But, you know, by you know, kind of being on on, on like these early, like pushing the, the envelope about and holding ourselves accountable. Mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. example, the, the, the potential finance that we as a group can get is actually directly tied to meeting those impact targets. If we don't meet them, which is verified by an independent entity, then we don't get all of our um, carried interest. And nor does our LPs, because our limited partners, those who invest in us, need to hold us accountable, not just for the profitability of these companies, but also for the impact maximization of these, of these companies. And their money is directly tied to it, too. So that's kind of a part of the paradigm shift that we're working to 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 put in place, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because it can't just be about the finances anymore. Even though we all say, yes, we want to be uh, we'll focus on mental health and we know increased mental health is good for society. Yeah. Okay. Well, show me the fucking money. Like, where is it? And <laughs> right. Show me the number of people who have been improved. <laughs> show me the research. Like, we're funding our uh, randomized control trials, evidence-based um, um, access. Um, if we need to, we'll partner with others to fund uh, to to fund clinical trials. Like, we it, it's important that we have that data and that data is 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 rich, um, so that we're not making the mistakes of just whoever has the best ad buyer has the best marketing campaign win. Um, that's not. Yeah, that doesn't cut it anymore, especially in this area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate you taking the time, man. It's gonna be, it's a long uh, journey. It's gonna be a long fight. You know, sure. it's it's sort of, yeah. you know, two sides are really. It, it, it's kind of that, man. You know, I know yeah. there's gonna, like you said before, there's gonna be some lobbyists that are gonna be, you know, taking <laughs> the other side of things, right? And, sure, and, sure. and it's gonna it's just less it's you know this it's going to be it's going to be a battle for everything but we need capital to fight it right like that's Absolutely. Absolutely. that's the main point and then that capital allocated correctly can show improvement show the data of what, what's happening i mean that's yep. that's that's the road to success and, and really healing right and, and yep. kind of 
just taking that next evolution where depression is 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 no longer an issue or it's a disease yeah. that can be quote unquote solved right in, yeah. in some way um yeah. so keep up keep up the amazing work man and i wish Thanks. the best of Great. luck for for this year and obviously next year hopefully it's uh, a little bit more normalized and and you know start stuff could rapidly start to start to set in motion so sure. Thanks for everything, man. I appreciate the time. Thank you, Grant. And thanks for the work that you do. Continue the newsletter. It's great. And and, and best of luck to you as, as this podcast is, is taking off.